Today on Watching Your Wealth, how to speak to your heirs about money. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Arna Baldwin is Managing Director of Family Dynamics and Education at Abbott Downing. He's here to give us tips on how to speak to heirs about money. Welcome, Arna. Thank you. Arna, so, you know, you probably just don't want to spring this conversation on heirs, right? That's right. That's right. You, you really want to set a bit of a foundation and really think about what it is you want to communicate uh, well before you actually have the conversations. And one way to look at it, Veronica, is to think developmentally. Um, what do you know about, uh, whether it's your children or your grandchildren, sort of their competencies, their aptitudes, their talents, their ability to handle financial information? So, um, and that really becomes the basis of deciding when to talk about wealth, what to say, and sort of how to talk about it. That's a good point. Um, gauging based on their own abilities. I want to also bring out the fact that you probably just don't want to, you know, you're out at a game someday and you just start talking about this. You, you want to give them some sort of heads up, right? Saying, oh, you know, a week from today, I want to talk to you about something very important. Is that, is that a way to approach it, to just give them a little bit of time to psychologically prepare for that first conversation as well? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And it's actually um, something we advocate a lot. Uh, at Abbott Downing, and that's really to sort of think about what is it that you want to communicate to your kids and, and to give them a bit of a heads up about the fact that you'd like to speak with them. So um, we always um, suggest that one of the best practices for starting those conversations is by setting the groundwork in terms of telling and retelling some of the most important family stories that really convey kind of the virtues and the values and kind of even some of the myths which explain how the family became successful. Now, some of that may be contemporary history, but often it's, uh, it's the seeds of that are several generations past. And, and maybe as an additional kind of foundation opportunity, if you will, before having the actual conversation, really encouraging family members, especially as they reach the age of 18 and beyond, to complete a basic financial education program. It's hard to find that in schools, actually, uh, unless you seek it out as part of your major. So really thinking about, you know, whether it's through their advisor, uh, through some other avenue, trying to get that basic financial fluency in place. And then, you know, um, as you sort of think about uh, what you want to share at that first meeting, we do always suggest think about sharing the architecture of your estate plan before you get to the dollars and cents. That's, That's great. fine yeah. for a secondary conversation, but it's a lot to take in for a young person, just the basic concepts around what is a trust and, uh, and how do trust uh, elements uh, pertain to me. I'm sure that's a good point. So the architecture, meaning, yeah, what is a trust? What is an estate? Some of these other terms, making sure they are understanding that first. Is that what you mean by architecture? That's right. Yeah, the basic setup of what a trust is, how it works, what will flow, who it will flow to, and what the timelines for that are. And um, and then following up, and this is where you get back to what your kids are uh, prepared for developmentally, you get back to the dollars and cents at an appropriate time. You certainly, as kids are thinking about, you know, college and first jobs, you don't want to disincent by sharing too much about uh, what is going to flow and when. At the same time, generally we find that parents err too much on the side of caution and are too silent around their estate plans, and that sometimes leads to people either walking around with misperceptions around what that estate plan contains or just having questions or concerns. How do you figure out that balance of how much to share and how specific to get, especially when it comes to the dollars and cents? 
Yeah, it's it's a great question, and it's uh, it's different, obviously, for every family. But it's really about sort of understanding, you know, uh, what what are the intentions are behind the wealth. You know, is the intention of the uh, the wealth holder really to support philanthropy? Is it to fuel passions in the family? But really, the balance of the principle is to go towards other things or other people. Um, or is really the intention of the founder, the wealth creator? the current holder of that wealth, to pass it on from generation to generation, because those are different types of conversations. And if the intention is to pass it on from generation to generation, well, then there really needs to be a broader conversation around what the wealth is for, what it's designed to do for the family, what the responsibilities of stewardship entail, and then how do you develop those competencies and responsibilities. Right. That makes sense. Now, and if we're tailoring this conversation to the child's age or the heir's age, so for example, something you'd say to a 10-year-old, you wouldn't say to the 20-year-old, but what could you say to a 10-year-old that's not going to confuse them or make them scared or unsure or spoiled? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think at that age, you know, if you sort of think about the, the 10 to 12 age, you know, you're, you're sort of a mix between in terms of life stages, starting out and sort of the apprentice phase of life. And, um, and there, you know, you really want to focus on things like um, the types of family chores, for example, that will instill a sense of contribution, how to open a savings account, um, how to have conversations with parents around money or allowances or uh, getting money for a particular purchase. Sometimes uh, you'd be surprised how often in this day and age you still, we still talk with folks whose kids are having lemonade uh, stands outside of the house or, or participating in yard sales. And those are the perfect teachable moments to talk about financial responsibilities. Um, for kids who are a little on the older side or, or they just show an early inclination towards learning about money, I think you know, there you can have conversations around how to keep a budget for an allowance or for how to make use of a debit card without overdrawing on mom and dad's accounts. And, um, and then certainly if their families travel, um, that's a great opportunity to, to talk about the cost of travel, uh, appreciate you know, the different economies and how money works in different uh, currency exchanges and so forth. And so there's, a great, there's some great opportunities there and some great conversations you can have without getting into the fact that there's an estate plan in place. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Especially looking at other cultures, too. You can see that not everyone lives as, as we live and not as fortunate, unfortunately. And so showing that example and how you might be able to help other people is really powerful. Now, I think some people will listen to this and say, well, you know, if I share too much, my heirs aren't going to be motivated. I'm afraid that they're going to become spoiled or lazy. And you said that may not be the case. Yeah, that's right. I think it's really about, you know, instilling a strong work ethic in your kids and grandkids. And, and that really starts with being conscientious about how you talk about work, how you talk about wealth. Um, and one way, we, you know, to, to sort of convey whether it's work or school, something you can sort of talk about it as something that's challenging, that requires dedication, and that meets the needs of others, right? Um, and so, you know, if, if you can have that sort of those early conversations around values, like the work ethic, like responsibility around money management, um, like the sense of personal contribution and impact that every family member is expected to be able to make and actually empowered to make. That's the t- sort of setting the stage in terms of being a good role model. And, um, and then, you know, really, um, it, it is um, a long road for a child who grows up in a very wealthy family uh, in terms of sometimes that large shadow that mom and dad yeah. or, or grandparents' legacy can, can sort of cast over them. So really helping them understand the wealth is something that can help them feel their passion um, but doesn't take away from their own agency and their own opportunity to make impact in the world. That's an important message to share with kids, and we find that sometimes 
beneficiaries and heirs need to hear that so that they really can still get that sense of their own purpose and impact. That's a really great point. Help them find their own way and acknowledge that that's okay. They don't have to be a replica of the, the whoever made the money. Um, last tip, we only have about 20 seconds left, but this isn't just a one and done conversation. This is multiple conversations, right, through the course of some, as they grow up, the children grow up. That's right. It's a series of conversations. Jumpstart Coalition came out with a great statistic a few years back that said, 80% of parents believe their children learned everything they need to know about money in school, whereas 90% of the students, uh, their kids, say whatever they know about money they learned from their parents. Hmm. So there's a great lesson there around having conversations over the lifespan, and particularly while you still have those kids at home. Great. Helpful tips. Thank you so much, Arna. You bet. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I would love for you to stick around and take our financial version of the press questionnaire. Are you game to do that? I'm happy to. All right. Great. You stay with us, too. Hi, I'm Paul Vigna. If you do not subscribe to the Money Bee Podcast, you are going to feel worse than a short seller on the day of a big rally. Go to iTunes and WSJ.com slash podcasts. You want to sign up for this one. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for Abbott Downing's Arna Bodwin to take our financial version of the Proust. Arna, you ready? I'm ready, Veronica. (laughs) All right. What's the best financial advice you ever received? I was for my parents. Don't be afraid to take calculated big picture financial risks, but never lose sight of the day-to-day view on how you're spending your money. Mm, Great advice. Worst financial advice you ever heard? That was probably when I was in my 20s, and it was from a family friend of my parents who said, you're too young to worry about saving for retirement. Oh, bad advice indeed. You can never start too soon. (laughs) My goodness. Uh, Fill in the blank. Money can buy... Money can buy lots of things, but happiness is still an inside job. Oh, I love that. Money can't buy? Money can't buy close-lasting relationships. Mm. Those require the investment of self and also taking the long view when conflict comes up. Indeed. If you won a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? I would start by making a major donation to San Francisco Meals on Wheels to help feed homebound seniors. Then I'd... uh, Donate a similar amount to my retirement account. Take my parents on an extravagant vacation. Whatever's left goes into my rainy day investing club. Love it. A lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Arna. Thanks, Veronica. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.